Here we are. Who thought? What? Because we're now officially into month number three, right? Oh, I know. I know. I know. Like the last. The part, the part that starts getting into your head is, like, is this, like, we may not even be 25% of the way. <laughs> it, you know what? You're right. Like, I, I think back to when we did the podcast the last time, and I had this incredible unbridled enthusiasm for marble racing. Well, that <laughs> fell off the face of the earth, didn't it? Like, there was that, yeah. first, there was that initial rush of the first two weeks of, like, huh. <laughs> It's kind of like snow day at school, right? Like, oh, hey, we, we yeah. get to go home. This is cool. And then by week three. the stank bar. Right? <laughs> no. And now it's it's insane, right? Like, it, it, I don't know what I expected, but this is this is not what I expected. No, well, I, I think for most people, goodness, again, I'm, I'm going to do my best to not use the words unprecedented every second sentence. But... <laughs> Yes, um, we accept that that is the, we accept that that's what we're living in, right? Yeah, but but yeah, it's just you know what 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 we're expecting, and it just changes. That's that's the other part too that I don't my my own personality doesn't manage well is the uh, the dealing with the uncertainty and the ambiguity. No, um, yeah, you know, like as a, as a professor, universities are starting to announce now that. You know, fall is going to go online. We Mount Royal hasn't done that yet, um, and who knows if it if it will happen. But it, the, the, to me, anyways, the reality though is it, that can change. Right. Uh, you know, stores are told to open Thursday, but maybe they will, maybe they won't. Mm. Maybe the rules will change, and things just seem to happen. And I, I'm not blaming anybody for that because um, I think all of us are trying to figure it out as we go um but that part i find frustrating i like i I like knowing that on this day this is going to start and this is you know at least there's this this idea that this is how it's going to run sure this lack of knowing and just having to kind of sit and wait is has been frustrating now again i like like you know first world problems right i mean you know i'm not i'm not sick personally No, no one in my family is either um, and so I'm not naive and I'm not trying to diminish, you know, the, the real challenges with this and I still have a job. So again, I, you know, I'm also not naive to those issues either, but nonetheless, you know, it still, it still has an impact on us. But I think it's reflective of the conversation though, David, you know, I, I would say that one of the things that has really jumped out at me is this shift in tone and conversation in the last two weeks. I think we were in it. At the beginning, I think we were dedicated to it. I think we all understood it. I think we all saw it. Let's do the right thing. This is the right thing. Now I'm beginning to hear the cracks and see the cracks and, uh, you know, people kind of muttering under their breath, well, you know, is it really worth it? What What's the cost? Is, you know, all of the things. The one giant takeaway from the last two months for me as I watch the world spin in front of my window, is we have way too much opinion and not enough fact. Way too <laughs> much opinion and not enough fact. And, and I, I point, and, and this is a sports podcast, and trust me, we will get to sports, but I point the finger squarely at the media, not in, in the Donald Trump fake news way. That's not it at all. I, I point it at, at 
we, we lost our way with our media. We, it became about clicks. It became about eyeballs. It became about what's sexy. It became about just give me the things that people... We, we don't give people enough of the things that they need to hear. We give them what they want to hear. And, and that has become appallingly clear in all of this that kind of what you said before, um, there is no playbook for this. There's no, yet, there's no shortage of criticism that goes along. There's no shortage of second-guessing. There's no shortage of, of, well, why didn't they or why haven't they? I swear to God, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but I swear to God, if I read one more article that says button makers who are left-handed and wear hats on Tuesdays are really the forgotten people in this, and they're really hurting. <laughs> like, everybody's hurting. But it just, to me, and, and maybe you don't agree, but I just, really, we need to reset. I think we have 70% opinion makers in media right now, 30%, and very much so in sport, very much so in sport, and 30% news reporters. I think we need to get back to 50-50, 60-40. I think we have way too much opinion right now. Well, yeah, that, that, that in itself is probably an entire conversation, and certainly sport is involved in that. Yep. Somebody somebody pointed out to me a while ago that it used to be that the normal curve theory could um, explain most things. Mm -hmm. So there would be a very, very small group at the one end of a continuum, (laughs) a very, very small group at the other end of the continuum. And for the vast majority, for 66 percent of the population, you would fit right into that middle zone. Yeah. You know, the the average what has happened, and in part, in part, I think it's being driven by media, which is being driven by the internet, um, is it's become bipolar, and so you've got this big, big group of people at the one end of the spectrum. Yep. You got another big, big group of people at the other end of the spectrum, and actually, comparatively, significantly fewer people in the middle that are centrist. And I think you could see that now in politics. You can see it in kind of the discourse and the conversations that are taking place about COVID, um, the response to, you know, whether this is a medical issue or whether it's a socio-political one. Right. Um, and so I think, but I think what, what ends up happening is, is people listen to what they already believe now, as opposed to, and I think you're seeing this with, you know, circulations of national newspapers and, you know, people, you know, you know, kind of watching the nightly news. Yeah, we yeah. tend we tend not to do that now. We tend to just go to our own our own perspective, and that has that niche market that just perpetuates what we already believe. And so, you never get a chance to consider the alternative. And I think, and I think that's why it's gone to opinion versus fact. Is people are just, you know, they, they're trying to make a living. They're you know, they're trying to. You know, get the eyeballs that they know are going to click to what they are selling, and so, so, so the reality is the time and the energy and the cost to actually do good reporting and to actually find the facts. People are just like, ah, why? Oh, I I absolutely agree. One of the guys that I dislike the most—not dislike, but I'm not a big Colin Cowherd guy. I I don't like that style of of sports broadcasting. I don't like that style of, of talk show host. Still had the greatest line I've ever heard as far as the business goes. Listen to me for information, not affirmation. And <laughs> and that, to me, has stuck with me. And I, the, the only tattoo I guess I would ever consider getting is that. Because I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. I do wonder, as I 
you know, blurt out my verbal diarrhea a little bit, and then I listen back to you, I do wonder a little bit of the echo chamber. I wonder a little bit of relying too much on social media to give you the snapshot of the world. Totally. Um, maybe my percentages are off. Maybe it's just because I'm stuck in front of a screen and constantly working in that environment. And the things that I seek out seem more difficult to get to. But maybe yeah. the, maybe I'm not seeing it correctly. Maybe the maybe social media gives me a distorted view. I don't know. Oh, I, I definitely. I, well, I mean, in part because we choose who we're going to follow on Twitter. Yeah. Um, we choose who we're going to be connected to on Facebook and Instagram and all these things. And so unless you're purposeful and really push yourself to make sure that you're trying to get to, you know, divergent opinions yep. and perspectives on things, all you're going to get is the regurgitation. Ah, that's, that's an unfair comment, but all you're going to get are the opinion pieces that you likely already believe. And I think the other part of it too is, is for whatever reason, how we're not willing to pay um, for content. Anymore. No, no, um, it's, it's know, crazy. As, a, as, as, you know, as a paper boy from St. Catherine yeah. Standard back in the seventies, yeah. I mean, that was, that was my part-time job, right? I mean, you know, I delivered my 50 papers. I collected money from the customer so that they could read that paper. Yeah. But people like the numbers of people that are willing to do that anymore, even online, right? I mean, like how, like you can get so much free content that are you willing to actually pay the price to do that? And, and if you're not, then how do the people who are doing the research and to give you thoughtful right. perspectives, how, yeah. you know, how do they make a living if, if everything is free? I mean, yeah. unless they're getting it through the advertising, which is then they have to get the clicks. That's right. So we've created the system. No, we absolutely have. It, it, it's, it probably goes back to the birth of the Internet and that, that consumption and, you know, not knowing what – I don't think – you know, I think back to 2000 and or, – or pardon me, 1995, the library at SATE and the computer there in its amber screen – digitally being able to go to an ESPN website and read the words ESPN news like that. <laughs> oh my God, this is the greatest thing. And then it was on, we weren't prepared for how that would impact. And it, this is a really good way to transition into what I kind of wanted to get into was, have you watched the last dance, which at, as of the recording here, I believe it's what, uh, f- almost done. I think two more episodes to go, but the great documentary on, on the bulls era. I have, I have, and I've loved it. Um, I have not watched the two most recent episodes that came out this past weekend. That's okay. I've been, yeah, I've been watching. Um, I've been watching it with my middle son, who is a basketball fan, mm-hmm. um, and I've really enjoyed because, of course, he doesn't. I mean, for me, my generation, that is, in many respects, when kind of basketball came of age. Sure. I I started following basketball, but it was hard to do it really in a deep way when magic johnson and larry bird yeah. and uh, dr j were playing but yeah. that i mean that there were so few games on television then yep. um and again because the internet wasn't there and and because there was no team in toronto the canadian press didn't pick up a ton of nba stuff and so it was it was hard mm-hmm. um to be a, an nba fan then just because you could only watch so many games and because we couldn't pvr games unless you were you know, yeah. sitting on Sunday afternoon, yeah. you just never saw it on TV. So I think the Jordan era, though, was really when it kind of came into popular culture right. from a Canadian context, I, I guess. 
Um, you know, like I, I remember it was funny. I was, you know, watching some of the shows and I, I said, you know, to my middle son, Isaac, I said, this is where John Paxson hits the, hits the shot to win the game against Phoenix. And I just, cause I remember it. Yep. I remember sitting with my buddy, you know, it was time I had my first job in downtown Toronto and we were, you know, sharing this little condominium. And I, but I remember that. I remember that series against Barkley. I, and so for that part, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the, the romantic kind of recalling a, a time in my life. Now, in addition to that, I'm also loving the way that they're presenting it and going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, they seem to be presenting a fairly fair, uh, balanced approach. Jerry Krause doesn't get a whole lot of love. They haven't, <laughs> uh, now again, really? I, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the two most recent shows. So maybe doesn't later. get, it doesn't get better. No, <laughs> it doesn't get better. <laughs> so maybe if, if you're Jerry Krause's, family or friends or whatever they might not suggest that it's been a balanced and fair approach right uh, to viewing it but it seems to me anyways that they're not trying to glorify or um anyone in particular they're trying to present a balanced perspective on who they were and how they treated one another and how they were successful but and the other part too is i have i've ended up pvring um a whole bunch of 30 for 30 and you know, kind of SEC bios, yep. you know, on, yep. you know, like Sha- Shaquille O'Neal and, you know, his coach Brown, Dale Brown. I, so I, I'm, I'm replacing my lack of ability to watch um, live sports with a whole bunch of sport biops, which I've actually really, I watched one last night of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I'm, I'm really quite enjoying them, actually. So cool. there's a couple things that come out of this, and I, I do want us to come back to that because that's a topic that, you know, the old – I think that's the void now that's being that's the itch that's being scratched. I'm not sure the old games are. I'm not sure that I think I think that was fun for a while, but I think what yeah. you're talking about I'll come back to that. The, the the point I wanted to make about the last dance is back to our conversation before. It is absolutely striking to me as someone who was in the media to watch this story unfold in a non-internet time and just to I, I just don't, and I'm not saying he wouldn't have been a great player. I'm not saying that at all. He he probably still would have been the best player. But how he, how he existed outside of the social media culture is absolutely fascinating. I can't get past it. I can't get past it. The whole story of, I mean, right early on, that first round series against the, the Celtics, and he was out playing uh, golf with... Uh, uh, I apologize, I can't remember, but... Uh, well, Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, sorry. He was out playing golf with Danny Ainge. Can you imagine the shitstorm, pardon the French, <laughs> that w- if if Connor McDavid and Johnny Goudreau were to play golf between, you know, games two and three of a Battle of Alberta playoff series? It, it's just little things like that that are... They go off in my head and I go, Oof, like, the one clip... That they continue to play, and I, I, I am going to give you a little bit, you know, a little bit of a spoiler. But right at the beginning of episode seven, there's a press conference, and Craig Sager off camera asks Jerry Krause about the backstabbing, and that's the audio clip that they use in the title sequence. There's mm-hmm. no backstabbing. We've heard it in all of them, and I, I that like full stop. That's all we would be talking about for a full week is that clip. And well, and you think about because Jordan Jordan talks about how exhausted he is 
because he's on all the time. And, and he, time, yes, and they do a great and, job of showing that in this film. But that's pre-internet too. I know, um, I know. And so, so you think of how exhausting it would have been. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to again debate whether or not it was exhausting because based on the way they presented it, it would be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hide in my hotel room too, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I'd like to, you know, think how cool and how fun it would be to be like Michael Jordan. And I think he makes that point on a number of occasions, you know, try and be like me for a year um, or two years. But again, this, that's pre-internet. So part of, I think part of the, I'm getting out of this too, is particularly for those athletes by today's standards who are as recognizable as perhaps Jordan was in the nineties, you can't hide um, ever. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, even in your own home, you know, there's probably people stalking somehow, you know, climbing up in trees and trying to take pictures of you and stuff like that. Well, so, uh, well what about that one? Like the, the Knicks series where him and his, I believe it was his dad and him drove to Atlantic City, right? To go gambling in Jersey. That's right. Can you yeah, imagine yeah. the cell phones and the, the, the videos and the TikToks and all that stuff that's yeah. coming out of it? You know, the Dennis Rodman. Uh, let alone going where, Vegas, going to Vegas. Let alone, for, let, yeah, let alone where he went. But can you imagine right now? Oh, uh, you know what? He's going to take a week off. He needs two. Sorry, he needs two days off. He hasn't shown up. Like we, we, we just don't have the the patience for that. It's to me. I, I will say this: as someone who covered Jerome Ginla for a decade. I can see a lot of Jerome McGinley in what um, that Michael Jordan went through. This sense of there's always somebody there with a pen. There, you're always coming off the. There's always like there's always some guy who's got access to the building who um, who thinks you know like oh it's not I'm not an autograph seeker but Jerome do you mind signing these nine jerseys? Like right. there was one real I don't know if you caught it but. There was a thing where he was doing that talk show in France, and the guy, the stage, uh, the uh, would have been the floor director, was hooking up his mic and giving him. And then he pulls out a pen and a piece of paper, and he goes, "Can I have an autograph?" And and there there was a bulls guy or security guy there said, "No, no, no, you can't do that." Like I saw that with Jerome. Like I know that Jerome McGinley for a decade, you know, it, people I thought were good here in Calgary, but not to say he was that player. I'm just saying. No. I get it. Like it's no. it was it had to be exhausting. Well, and I think it's one of those things that you. I I guess this is the same with with many things. Like you really just cannot appreciate um, the the pressure and the annoyance and the frustration. And again, you, you know that show does I think a pretty good job of providing little snippets. Um, as to what it would be like. There's there's the one scene where I remember Jordan is in his hotel room talking about the challenges, and then all of a sudden he leaves the the elevator yep. in the hotel, and it's just bedlam. Yep. Um, and I I suspect it would be like that everywhere. Uh, I saw Jerome again, and again I keep coming back to the one guy, but I saw him get swallowed up in wave after wave of humanity just leaving a building after a morning skate and the autograph seekers, the hunters, the, the, the they were just, I, I'll, David, I, I hate to hijack this conversation, make it all about watching Jerome, but I'll never forget being in Nassau County Coliseum in, on Long Island. And we stayed at the Marriott across the parking lot and we were just walking with Jerome 
practice was over, a bunch of us media guys were just walking up the stairs out. And as soon as we got outside, if there was 150 people there, that was probably a little low. And we walked, and the next thing we know, we turned around. We couldn't see Jerome. He was just swamped with people. And, and like, MJ would have that. Here I am calling him MJ. Um, you know, look at LeBron. Like, I have a greater appreciation for LeBron now and some of these guys because I think they want to be what Michael was. But, man, it's hard. Like, it's I hard. Just, like, it's, it just surprises me that they don't snap. <laughs> And then they, I, you know what I think it is? I think they fail. I think they fail. I, I think it's not a matter of snapping. I just think they pale or they, they, they kind of shrink under the, the, the limelight and just don't become the players they're capable of becoming. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Right? Yeah. Or, or they're quote-unquote, you know, a-holes. You know, you can't talk yeah. to him or, you know, he, nobody likes him, that sort of thing. Like, <sighs> I, I don't know, like, you've watched enough. I don't really have a problem with Michael Jordan. Some, it's, you know, some people are coming away from this going, oof, you know, he, he got into a fight with poor Steve Kerr. I don't know, I thought, and sorry, I'm giving away something on, but you wait till you watch, Steve Kerr didn't have a problem with it. Like, I think the guys that know, know. And I think the guys that know know that he got them to the mountain. He got them to the the summit. I really do. Oh, I don't think I don't think there's any question about his competitiveness and his ability as an athlete. And I think too, you know, and it, this becomes a bit of an interesting um, kind of conversation starter as it relates to leadership. Yeah. And what? Yeah. What is okay? What's not okay? Um, you know, and is, you know, does do the end justify the means? Um, like he, you, you can't argue with his ability to succeed. Now, now, arguably, um, you know, Pippen was a great player that he played with. So was Rodman. Um, but after that, it gets a little iffy. But they weren't. Um, but they weren't even. They needed to be brought along too. You, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I, it's not fair to go well when he went away and played baseball. Look at what they. No, they were still a pretty good team, but they weren't that team, right? And and how much of after he left was because of what he did to get them to that point? Like Luke Longley and Bill Wennington and uh, Bill Cartwright, I don't think are ever going to be on the Mount Rushmore of centers um in the nba no uh you know steve kerr john paxson they were all serviceable at bj armstrong like they're all good basketball players yeah. don't get me wrong um but you know again other than other than pippen and this is my own opinion like robin robin you know i think was more of a a curiosity than he was a great I, basketball player. i think he was I, I, think, I think he served a need oh right? no 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 Agreed, but but there were probably he probably got elevated. Oh yeah, oh for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Because he yeah. was playing with Pippen and for, Jordan, for sure, for sure. Because of his uniqueness and stuff like that. I, I don't get me wrong. Like of the, of the team, I would say he was the third, and then yeah. Horace Grant. You know, again, I, I think Horace Grant also benefited from you know having played with Pippen and Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, you put him on another team, and I think he's just a regular forward. But okay, so. But then you come back to you, but he won six championships. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, just with me saying kind of what I just did about who he was playing with, 
like he pulled, he pulled them along. Like Ooh. he pushed and led and um, like he got them there. And so is that, but would that style of leadership cut it today? And I don't know if it would. I don't know if that type of leader would make it in either the sports world or any any of our, well, you know, whether it's politics, business, uh, social science. Like, I, I just, I don't know if that style would work. To I, I don't think so, because I think there's the, you know, the, there's the, the micromanagement of it. There's the, the microscope. You know, I just look at LeBron James, and I, I find it very difficult to criticize him. I really do. Like, you, you know, it seems like, well, we'll criticize. But, but what about the fact that he started a school? Like, does anybody, anybody, anybody started a school for kids? Like, all of these things, the humanity components of it. And he knows what the history is. Yes, yes, he went on ESPN and he announced where he was going. But, I mean, there wouldn't have been, that, that wasn't the case with Jordan and baseball, right? They held a press conference. He went to baseball. Maybe in this modern era. Of this, of the internet and owning your own brand, maybe, maybe Michael Jordan would have done the decision, right? Oh, and and yeah. and then I think it would have been okay. Like I think a lot, of, you know, Michael was criticized for what he did going to baseball, but I, I think Michael Jordan, because he didn't live in that era of micromanagement, got got away with things. Not, nah, that's the wrong way of putting it. Got well, cut slack. Jordan, got cut slack that, that yeah, LeBron Jordan, doesn't we, get. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I guess there's a couple things. First of all, you know, the old adage, you know, let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Um, how many of us have lived perfect lives with, you know, when if we were put under the microscope, there would be no opportunity to question or challenge or say, oh, maybe that wasn't the best choice, right? Right. I mean, but that doesn't matter well, now, does it? No. Well, no. Because the collective um, online mob, the social media mob will cancel you like they're canceling brian adams as we're doing this you know you you make a mistake and then the mass says no we're done with you so you must go now right well and so yeah i would say as a as a society we're becoming a little fickle in that respect because we hold others to such a such a different standard than perhaps we hold our own i'm not saying that we condone certain things or that we just let things slide and that we allow certain attitudes and things to perpetuate. I, I think it's good to push back and to say, if that's, is that really how we should feel as a collective? But yeah. I think we just have to be cognizant that we need to hold ourselves to the same exacting standard then. Um, and just to, to try to be, I don't know, patient with people and say, Hey, maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. Maybe that is a, is well, an attitude that I don't agree with, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chastise and point my finger when I myself have probably not been as pure as I'm making myself out to be. I think the beautiful part of this particular series of film documentary, and and thank God it wasn't just one. Like thank God it was a series, because context and nuance matter. They mm-hmm. really, really matter, and that that's the other thing that I think they've delivered on really well. And I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying he's perfect. But let's take the the whole storyline of Jerry Krause. How like he 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 belittles him. He makes fun of him. He's mean spirited towards him. Uh, can you imagine if that was playing out today? Oh, um, absolutely. Like I, I any kind of that stuff, the Jerry Jones stuff for the the coaching stuff you see in the NFL all the time. Um, oh, uh, uh, um, sorry, there was just a player 
Um, oh, uh, that, that, sorry, the receiver in, in Texas, right? With Houston, the Texans. Uh, like the, the coach didn't oh, like the w- right. The coach didn't like the way he led. The coach didn't like the way he was leading the kids and and being in the locker room. So pff, you're gone. He got traded. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, he was an all pro. He was an all pro. Yeah, absolutely. But I look at Jerry Krause and the context of it matters. Like you know, I at, early on I'm like, oof, you know, they're beating the crap out of this guy. But as it's gone on. And it's that jumping back and forth that can kind of confuse it. Like, I understand why they're doing that, but, you know, they're jumping ahead. They're jumping back and everything like that. But I think when it's all said and done, when the 10, when the 10 episodes are over, you're going to kind of go, oh, well, I may not have felt that way, but I see why he felt that way. Right. Um, and, and that's my big disappointment. I, I meant to say this earlier. My big disappointment is that Jerry Krause passed away. I do believe he deserves an opportunity to, to, to defend and, and have his opinion heard. I know they're doing as good a job as they can. But having said that, go back to, yeah, hey, Phil, you're done. Doesn't matter. You can go 82-0. and 0. Does not matter. You win another championship. Does not matter. Your season is over. That alone today, are you kidding me? Yeah. Not a chance. No. Right? To a coach who's, yeah, who won yeah, three championships. and no. no. So I wanted to go back to something you said about leadership. Because that that's a really interesting takeaway from this, and and I always I love that I love leadership I love the idea of leadership I love the idea of the debate of leadership. Is this a film you show? How old? So how old's Isaac? He'll be eighteen soon. Eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Do you show a twelve or thirteen year old this and go? That's what a leader does. I don't think so. I don't think so. I I think at the professional level, I think amongst you know, adults who can drink and drive, you know, gamble, all those types of things, you know, serve the military. I think it's okay. But, you know, th- this is not one of those things where I think you take a bunch of uh, preteen or, you know, teenagers and go, hey, guys, you want to learn about leadership? This is how, because, I, I, again, it's pretty it's pretty severe at times. Well, and isn't that interesting, though, because that's, that's only 25 years ago, um, which is not, not that long. No, no. <laughs> But yet, you know, our, well, I say all that. And then at the end of the day, I also know that it, that type of leadership probably does still exist. Oh, sure. Um, sure and does. it probably still happens. Whether or not we would put it on a pedestal and say, this is the gold standard and this is how it should be done. Maybe that's the difference. Um, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you would use that style of leadership, the belittling, the, the finger pointing, the, calling out as kind of the gold standard by today's definition. Now, yeah, I guess there's a, a point to be made as to maybe that pendulum will swing again and it'll return to that, um, to that style. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, versus, uh, and again, hard and soft, I'd say the, the style of leadership that is being promoted is much um, more humanistic uh, much more recognition in trying to recognize that people are motivated by, by the kindness versus the harshness. Yeah. However, um, maybe that changes again. I mean, philosophies ebb and flow. And so, you know, maybe we're just on that pendulum that's come one to one side and it'll continue to come back. Um, and the, and the style of leadership that Jordan was displaying in the nineties will, suddenly become in vogue again 
it's 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 really hard to know. I think the but, one, the one thing it did. Do you agree? Is that it? It and it had happened before because Gretzky had worn a C and Mario had worn a C. But it really illustrated. I think that was one of the defining moments in sport that era where the best player becomes the leader. Before that, sports was full of pluggers and fourth liners and you know off the bench guys that were the leader. But mm-hmm. we in the eight, late '80s and the early '90s, it, we really evolved into know the best player on the team because he is the best player on that team, and he li- You know, he says in the documentary, "I didn't ask anybody to do anything I wasn't prepared to do." Yeah. That's true, but you did ask them to do things they couldn't do, right? Yeah. That you could, sort of thing. Yeah, but then you know, then do you make the argument that he knew that they they could? or they might be able to, and by trying to get to that level, it would just make them that much better, and they would therefore be able to win six championships. Um, like, in a, in a competitive environment like that, where only one team can be the best, yep. uh, is that style of leadership the way that it works? And that, you know, a player like Barkley, who didn't win a championship, arguably was surrounded by better players, or Carl Malone, um, or John Stockton, their level of their style of leadership was not to the same level. No. Brad Doherty at Cleveland. I mean, like, he, like they're all, all a bunch of other teams. Yep. Patrick Ewing, um, you know, maybe had they had a different style of leadership, like the Knicks are probably as good an example as any. Um, like you think about that team, like, and I had forgotten about some of the guys that they had, Mason yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Xavier McDaniel and John Starks and yeah. like it just goes on like that was a that was a mean bunch of dudes. Um, but had they had they had a style of leadership that could have taken them perhaps to a different level, maybe they would have been the ones with well, four or five championships. I, that's you know as I say, I wouldn't show this to to teenagers and go, "This is how you be a leader." But I got to be honest with you, my travels through pro sports, there's a bunch of captains that I'd like to take and show and go, "That you're too nice," like you're too nice. Like you gotta, you know, uh, you, you've got to lay the hammer down and and not make peace, but you know, lay it out there. And and again, it's it's there's no carte blanche answer to everything. But I love the fact that you 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 glommed onto that because that was another thing. I it, it it's it's fascinating watching. He is a leader. He is absolutely a leader. Well, and maybe leadership in sport though is different than leadership in other. Maybe leadership is context specific. Um, and so oh, in, a, in sure. a business environment, in a yeah. school, in a church, a hospital, or whatever, that style of leadership doesn't work. But in a in a context where only one team can be the champion yeah. out of 30, 32, 28, whatever the league is, yeah. um, that style of leadership worked. Well, uh, it's funny you say that. In a weird, one of these pandemic-only situations, we've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings for our superheroes kids and, and their families. And and uh, Kevin Hodgson from Heroes has done an amazing job of getting these NHL guests to come on. So I've had the chance in the last couple months to talk to Brendan Dillon of the Washington Capitals, spent two and a half hours with Barry Trotz, who coached the Capitals to a Stanley yeah. Cup, Beck Malenstein, who's up you know three games with the Capitals. But they all talk about Ovi, and they all talk about Ovi's enthusiasm and and I don't think anybody, and I may be proven wrong, but I don't think Ovi does what uh, Jordan did. But I, I, I think he just carried everybody along because he wanted it really bad, right? Mm. So I, you can have other styles, and other styles can be successful. 
Um, but the Jordan style of leadership, to your point, you know, I don't think I could walk into my op- office and, you know, get in the face of people and, you know, start punching one of them, you know, or <laughs> give them two weeks off or two days off to go to Vegas and go pick them up. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of really, again, it is, we love it when the curtain gets pulled back and this is one of the, it, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Because like you say, it's, it's, it's 25 years ago or 22 years ago, whatever it is. But it's all of this stuff that for so much of us, so many of us, we're just seeing for the first time. Like, where was yeah. this? Where yeah. was it? Right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I now, the other part, too, is am I glad that wasn't, like, I, like, that was a magical time um, for me in watching sports in that you had a bit of a veneer around the athletes and the play and the teams and stuff like that because you didn't know the backstory. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Some cases, maybe I was better off that way. Ignorance is um, bliss. Yeah, and so you kind of have these uh, antiseptic, but at the same time, um, you know, kind of, I don't know, the, the just, just the pretty pictures. Um, yeah. The way and you end up kind of fabricating them in your own way. Uh, because you know, there's the vacuum, you don't have the backstories, you don't have the details about what they're actually like. And so you kind of make them into whatever it is you want them to be. And and maybe that made it more enjoyable. I don't know. I don't know if it's better now because we have all these backstories and all the minutia of what they do on a day to day. I love, I love that. I, I, I think you're absolutely, you know, be careful of learning how the sausage is made. Well, right. oh yeah, okay, so yeah, the great, yeah, that's a great metaphor right there. You know, because, uh, uh, no, but but I think that is, I think that's analytics. I think that's social media. I think we have been robbed of the ignorant bliss, the innocence of just tuning in, watching them compete, watching them win or lose, and gosh, they're good people and turning off, and not having to be worried about if they said something political, not having to worry about whether or not they are mean to other people. We don't have to invest. We have no responsibility as a sports fan. My, my sport, my responsibility is to be entertained. So go forth and entertain me. And I believe we have lost that innocence. I believe we question too much. We ask too much. We just, you know, sometimes they say it about the analytics crowd and I don't think it's fair, but they don't want the games. They just want the results just so we can go through the numbers. And I, I, sometimes I think there's something to that. Um, the most popular moments in an NHL season, in terms of eyeballs and listeners and viewers and everything, trade deadline draft when there's trades. Right. We love transactions. Yeah. But that, you're absolutely right, because I was watching, you know what, now I've got to go back and watch this again. Because I watched it from a media standpoint. I watched it from a sports standpoint. I need to watch it from a fan standpoint. Because maybe a fan doesn't want to see this. Maybe a fan doesn't want to know that, you know, Jordan was like that. I don't know. Well, so, yeah, like, because my, my memories of Jordan are that game against Boston where he poured in over 60 points and yep. he was just unstoppable yep. when, when the Celtics were the juggernaut. Yep. My memory of him was that game against Utah, although I haven't, I don't, again, maybe they've done that just in the most recent episodes, but I don't remember seeing this part yet where he was so sick. Um, oh no, that's coming. Yeah, that's coming. It's coming. Yeah, and he like the guy could barely walk. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yet somehow he pulled it out. Um. 
just his, you know, the, and again, because the, you know, the Pistons were the bad boys and, and they were the, they were the bully, the way that he was able to, to be their foil and, mm-hmm. and to throne them. Mm-hmm. Um, and same, and same with that, those Knicks series, again, they were the bullies. Yep. Like what's, what's funny is my recollection of Jordan was that he was the prince. Like he was the good guy. Yeah. Um, that's and right. in part because, because of the foils that he had with Detroit and with the Knicks in particular. Absolutely. You don't have, if you don't know the Knicks and the, and the Pistons, then maybe, maybe at that time in that era, Jordan comes across as the bit of the jerk, but he certainly didn't come across. That was not my recollection. My recollection is I wanted to be like Mike. Right. Um, and so like, yeah, that was, that's my memory of him. Um, and by watching the show, does it tarnish? I don't know if it does or, I mean, I, cause I still see it through those rose colored glasses as a, as a young, as a young adult who was just really into sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I, I, I got a chance to see Jordan play in Hamilton, um, in an exhibition game. Oh, really? Uh, at okay. Cops Coliseum when I was at McMaster as an undergrad. Yeah. And I, was funny, I was digging around in my photo album trying to find the ticket stuff, uh, <laughs> for that so again it's you know if nothing else it's kind of allowed me um to reconnect uh with people that were that were in my life 25 years ago who i have that shared lived experience and that you know that comes back to you know right at the beginning we were talking about this the value and the importance of sport yep and and i think that's where i'm a little sad right now i'm missing those opportunities to have those shared lived experiences. I mean, again, just yesterday, right. was the one year anniversary of Kawhi Leonard's shot against the 76ers. Mm-hmm. I could have watched that highlight 50 times yesterday. Like I love, love that moment, but I love it because of what I remember it feeling like with me and my family here in right. Cochrane. Right. And, you know, I, I mentioned my, my one middle son, but my other two sons aren't huge sports fans, sure. um, but they were there and they were watching and my wife, like we were screaming, we were yelling and screaming and it was euphoric. And I remember that. And that has value to me. Um, but it has value missing- for sport too, because, you know, it's funny about what we were just talking about. As he's making that shot, as he's on his rear end, watching it bounce for the third and the fourth time, are we thinking about load management? Are we thinking about where he's going to sign next year? Are we thinking about his uncle who was doing the speaking for him when he was in San Antonio? No. We're living the moment, right? Yeah. And and that's that is your absolute. It's and I I've yet to find anything in the last two and a half months to replace that. Yeah, bang on. And I think that's what I think that's what I miss. Yeah, I miss the. Have you the watched any of the wrestling in empty arenas? Have you watched the? Did you watch the UFC? Did you watch NASCAR simulations? No, I haven't. I've I've paid attention to it simply because. Oh, it's a story. I'm interested yeah. in how sport is being presented and displayed, but no, I haven't. Uh, and I have to admit, again, I, you know, again, first of all, problems. I'm anxious about what, how sport is going to return without, if the fans are not part of that experience. So if, you know, if Kawhi Leonard hits that shot and you don't have that kind of that fan, you know, interaction and the screaming and the yelling and just that anticipation, is it, is it the same? Um, I would say this. I think if the NFL has taught us anything, that Tom Brady was a great two-week distraction signing in Tampa Bay. The draft was a great 10-day distraction because it gave... We can use the distractions. 
But I, I, I would say the equivalent would be it would be like a wheelchair. We're, we're not walking yet, but we're in a wheelchair or we're on crutches and, and it's close. We're, there's something to talk about. But until we get the people back in the building, until you can feel, till you can have a Kawhi Leonard moment, I think it's it's just not going to be the same. But I I, I am, you know, desperate for hockey talk or and, and and I'm sorry, I just not to take anything away from anybody who's doing what they're doing right now in the business, it's hard and they're doing the best yeah. they can. Yeah. But I can only do so many check ins and, and hey, you remember this game or what do you think it should look like? You know, give me some drama. Give me something. You know, okay, the American League's gone, so the you know the Flames are going to have to have extra bodies. Who are their extra bodies going to be? You know, all those types of things. I, I'll take that, but as a means to an end, just get me you know get me back to normal. Okay, let's. But you know what your your wheelchair analogy is an interesting one. Because, I didn't okay, mean to so be I, offensive. I just meant no. But you know, I, I so you know from the adaptive physical activity perspective of mine and the disability yeah. sports side yeah. of things. Because, you know, there's a lot of argument to be made that, okay, so and I think I think the analogy you were trying to make was, you know, you're in a hospital, you've injured yourself, you want to be walking again, you're in a wheelchair, and then you're using crutches, and then you're walking. You have to get, yeah. yeah. But, you know, but let's imagine, let's imagine, though, let's use the same kind of storyline, that you're in the hospital, you're injured, and you're using a wheelchair. And that's going to be where it ends. At some point in time, people have to make peace with that. Yep. 100%. Um, and and in many respects that that can be great. It can be an outstanding way to live. So maybe that's in some respects. I think we're a little bit like that too. We're in the hospital right now. We know that the wheelchair, but we don't know. We just don't know what if it's possible to be walking with crutches. If it's going to ever be possible to be walking without a wheelchair, or is the wheelchair? What what's and again I like we're just talking about the no 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 but 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 the, the way you've framed it is perfect because really what are you going through now we don't know what the future looks like we're lashing out because we don't know you you said it right off the top of this podcast that's the worst part right some of us are grieving some of us are angry those are the the reactions you would have when you don't know what the future is yeah. right but but maybe again I'm I'm gonna yeah. completely spin this now yeah. Maybe it will be great. Maybe sports without fans will be awesome. Maybe uh, shortened seasons will be fantastic. Um, maybe, uh, like, like there, there could be massive contraction, mm-hmm. um, right? With and maybe that, like, it's just a survival of the fittest right i mean and you know the if if you're not able to adapt if you're then then you don't survive yeah uh i i don't disagree with that at all and and i would implore and encourage the leagues to take the opportunity to recognize it's not the same and to try something new you know the only i haven't paid any attention to the nhl proposals other than the one that i heard was 2014 playoff try it try it try it try it just see what it's like you know? Yeah, if nothing else, again, this 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 year kind of gives people a free pass, right? Um, to try anything really, um, because people are just like, yeah, this is just the strangest circumstance, and there's going to be an asterisk beside anything mm-hmm. really that comes of this year. So why not? If if you've been considering something, if, if it's been ruminating, this is the year to give it a shot. I I, I would be surprised if there's not major. <clears throat> 
and I, I keep coming back to the one sport, um, but it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Is this the end of fighting now? Of all these years of debating and discussing and defending and, and, and all of it, and what would, you know, I always thought the end of fighting in hockey would be as a result of insurance. I always thought that the insurance premiums would go to a point where teams just couldn't afford it, so they'd have to take it out that way. For whatever, whatever happened in 2014 and 15 at the NHL level, it fell off the face of the earth. Just yeah. fell off the face of the earth and has not been and not come back. Is this the time where the sport just, and I'm not encouraging it, I'm just asking, is this the time where the sport goes, for us to come back, we've got to make certain sacrifices, it's out. Or is this an opportunity where they say, we've been wanting to get rid of this for a while. Um, and we knew that there was going to be backlash, but now we can do it. Because uh, oh. again, we've been kind of, we've been given sure, under, yeah, absolutely. to make changes. You know, it's we didn't want to do this. This is not what our choice was, but right. well, we had to make sacrifices. This is the way we're going to go. So it's like baseball in the DH. You know, if, if for baseball to come back, it may have to be with different formation. You know, different groupings of teams and divisions. So maybe we just have to flatten and say, okay, everybody's playing in the DH or with the DH now, yeah. right? You know, it, it it really it's again. I go right back to the top when we first did our podcast a couple of weeks in. We're kind of like, hey you know marble racing it's awesome and and all this stuff and you know it's funny like even the there was all kinds of viral videos for the first couple of weeks hey can you do this can you do that let's challenge you challenge you you know we were keeping ourselves occupied but boy once it got past six weeks man then it became real you know and where i think it also could be interesting as to how this plays out so canada west just yesterday so the university sports system which i'm a member um they just announced a revamped schedule. If you know, if yep. if if it goes ahead yep. um, next season, and so it's contracted, so the teams are going to play mostly within province, mm-hmm. and actually, I think exclusively within province. So they'll have fewer games, they'll travel less. So there's huge cost savings to the institution. So there's a benefit there, purely from a financial perspective, and then arguably there's also the health perspective for athletes, less travel. Yep. Arguably, it's better opportunity for them to be better student athletes yep. because, again, they're not traveling across Western Canada as much. <clears throat> now, if you're a varsity athlete at Mount Royal, that, that means you're not going to be playing the UBCs and the UVICs and, um, or the Winnipegs and the Manitobas. Is, does, this ever, does that ever come back? Um, or is this just the new normal? And then regardless of where we are, two years from now, three years from now, this has been the standard that's been set and that's where we stay. I think, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And is, and is that ultimately then a good thing? I, I don't know. So the same thing with, you know, the DH and mm-hmm. the, perhaps the pulling out of fighting. I, I, I think we've talked about where we see the positive benefits, but there could also be some, Unintended some consequences. consequences? Yeah. 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 No, I, I think just to build off that point, I think David, the biggest thing is, what we don't know is yeah. when when do we get back into buildings? When can we get back to, you know, having fans there and people there and, and all of that? If that drags into next year, as some think it could, I think absolutely the attrition is going to be off the charts. Yeah. It will not look anything like, you know, the other part. But we will rebuild. Like, I'm optimistic we will rebuild. Well, I guess, I guess like anything, anytime you do a SWOT analysis, anything can be a strength, a weakness, an opportunity, and or a threat. Yeah. So I guess it's, just, it's how you 
how but, you but look the at threats it. All, but the threat's always to those who are beholden to what came before, right? Mm-hmm. If we're, if we're beholden, if, if, if that's the way it has to be, like, watch college football in the States. That's the one that fascinates me. That is the one that absolutely fascinates me because it, there's no other example, I think, in, in sport, major sport, of haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. And, and, and no other kind of example in sport where one program really carries so many other programs within even yep. the school. Yep. Um, I, that's the one that I am really watching with great interest. Because yep. if you can't play football without the schools going back and the schools are saying we're not going to be back in person for at least the start of the, or for the first semester, you know, I'm just picking one and it's probably a bad example, but does that mean the Appalachian States and the North Texas, whatever's are all gone and there's 20 teams in college football. Is that what happens? Like, well, but, but on the flip side of that, there's been a couple articles just in the last couple of days saying that this could be what saves collegiate sport in the U S because what will happen is there'll be the very, very, very few, the Ohio States, mm-hmm. and the Alabamas of the world mm-hmm. um, that will continue to move forward on their path mm-hmm. with significant challenges, as you've already alluded to, but for the vast majority, they'll stop chasing that and they'll say no we're we're going to be we're going to return to our roots um and where collegiate sport originated from and it's not going to be semi-professional or professional um it's going to be true collegiate sport yeah and so that ultimately will save because what they're suggesting has happened is everybody wants to be ohio state or oregon or whatever and they're they're chasing their tail and they can't catch it and they'll never catch it um and so this will allow people to kind of kind of take a step back and say it's okay to to not be not be ohio state and we don't need to build the next great stadium and practice facility and weight training and athlete lounge we can just do with what we have and that's okay yeah well i i I, again you said consequences and i think unintended consequences are the the biggest unknown it goes right back to what you said is Give me, you know, as I communicate to the staff that I work with, it's so important to talk about light at the end of the tunnel. And I think right now we're squinting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, The true light at the end of the tunnel is what you're talking about is, okay, the saddle dome's open and have at her or McMahon's open and have at her and, you know, we're back. And and, um, that's a science question. (laughs) That's not a sports question, right? No, agreed. I'm just worried about getting a haircut, man. That's that's what I got to focus on. Well, yeah, <laughs> I made my mother the happiest mother in the whole world. I let her cut my hair. <laughs> what a disaster that was! Um, I think we've done it again. I, I think this is the upteenth, the millionth podcast that we've done, and we've solved absolutely nothing. Oh, true that, true that. I do enjoy my conversations with you, though. Ah, uh, we we don't even need the podcast. We should just do. <laughs> Have you been recording this? I didn't know. <laughs>